resource whatever other words you want to throw in there as say like a relationship with your significant other totally i agree for the for those meaningful friendships for them to work so but yeah you, you said a really key point meaningful ones but yeah building your friendship i feel like they should be like a love language for friendships why do you make one could, could you not just apply the same rules i think it's exactly the same rule. yeah you know some people want gifts some people want the words time. with affirmation. Some people want time. Some yeah. people want um, action. So like helping them move house. Yeah. Or 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 so. Do you forth. think physical touch? <laughs> yeah. Is a like yeah. My, one of my friends like when she tries to hug me, I'm like. You are listening to Color Out the Box. Hello and welcome to Color Out the Box podcast and as always this is Mo. Um, you can join the conversation hashtag Color Out the Box on all socials and at Color Out the Box on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. I'm newly back so I need you guys to help me spread the word. So this week I'm doing something a bit different. Often when I record there are parts of the episode that I that don't make the final edit sometimes because the episode is too long or because it doesn't quite fit in with the theme of the episode so I have as I found I'm left with some really great audio content and stories that have never been heard so this episode is the first in quotation marks stories in color a collection of conversations and stories from some of my favorite guests packaged neatly in this special episode you know like a present let me know what you think and maybe i'll do something like this again you know lost tapes episode okay let's start the podcast so first up we have alex who is a writer and our resident film expert we recorded this episode well over a year ago pre-pandemic and she talked about her decision to leave london and travel across the world and to go and live in Korea. I hope to have Alex on again to talk about living in Korea as a black woman, including culture, dating, food and work and so much more. But in the meantime, listen to Alex talk about her decision. Hashtag black women travel too. I'm Alex Kessie. Um, You can find me at Kestagram on Instagram or Alexandra Kessie on Twitter. Um, I have been in TV and film for about 10 years now and I decided to hand my notice in at the end of last year. Um, You know what, I just kind of decided that I had enough of production. Um, Production is very different from what I want to do. I want to write, obviously, you know, I want to write. And For the longest time I've been saying I want to write and not actually doing it. And I feel like the more people ask me about, oh, what have you written? What have you done? And I have nothing to say was becoming, was kind of getting me down. It was giving me a real kind of complex because here I am, I work as a script writer, a script editor and a script coordinator, which basically means reading other people's work and making it good enough for TV and film. And yeah, it's good. It kind of gets you to a point where you're in a, you have a good idea and a good eye for how story should work 
but at what point if you if you want to do your own writing do you then say mm, I'm done with reading other people's stuff and making other dreams come true and focus on your own so I had kind of like this epiphany that I was going to maybe take myself away from working in production um the scary thing about that though is once you take yourself out of something you kind of get a fear of of uh, missing out FOMO and it's kind of a fickle industry because the one the, the moment you take yourself out of something things move very quickly and you become very very replaceable very quickly as well so I stayed for as long as I did because I very much knew that I needed to work my craft and kind of get myself to a point in which I became maybe a bit more indisposable and could walk into a job and be given it because of what I'd done before but now I'm 33 going on 34 you know there's other kind of things that are coming into play I want to you know have a bit more stability in what I do but also have confidence in what I do and um you know things are getting very real and it's people keep saying it's time to stop messing about but part of that time I'm stopping messing about is really focusing on what I want to do in my life um and as much as I love working in production or did love working in production it I know it's not the path that I want to go down I want to write full-time um, so I'm taking the side, a step outside of TV and I'm going to focus on doing something completely different. I feel like over the past maybe two, three years, I've kind of, it's been playing on my mind that I'm not quite where I want to be quick enough. And that is doing more of my own projects. Luckily last year, um, me and my fellow director, filmmaker, um, we had the opportunity to work alongside um, Film London um, to develop a script idea with the early film fund. And they looked at idea, they really liked it, and it was just a few tweaks here and there that needed to be done. And it was just about the process of writing and making something that could then go on to be made into a film, essentially. And we always wanted to make a short film. Um, so we came together, did this idea, which is about, it's called Something in the Closet. And it's about a young black girl who is queer and doesn't understand those words or what she, what it is about herself that has feelings for another girl. And she tries to repress it and her repressed emotions then turn into a monster. Um, and it's a genre piece as well. So we've got a lot of visual effects and we've got a lot of um, leanings towards stuff that we really loved growing up, which is like Spielberg, you know, the ETs and um, the kind of... Stranger Things-esque kind of vibe as well um, and that was so much fun to do and what I loved about doing that was I was writing I was writing something that I wanted to write about and I was writing and going through the whole process of scripting and editing and you know kind of having chats about the scripts and whatnot and it led to us then taking us to um, BFI Film Festival but what I had to do during my job because I was still working full time um, on a Netflix show was I had to basically beg to have some time off to go to these festivals in which I was invited to these opportunities in which I was invited to as a writer I had to beg my day job to let me take the time off and a lot of people at my day job don't know what I do on the side they don't know I actually want to write they just think I want to do the more of the admin-y side of TV so when I did have to open up and tell people about it, 
I felt validated because I think the moment you start speaking out about what you want from life and what you really want to do and what you think of yourself, you bring those things back to you. Like if you speak your self-worth, it will come back to you in some form. And I enjoyed going to the festivals. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to do more of this. Why have I spent so much time denying the fact that I want to move into writing? And part of it is fear. I can't lie. And not feeling that you're going to be rejected and you won't ever make it. But that's life. So what I've decided to do, I decided to hand my notice in at the end of um, 2019 and say goodbye to production. Maybe not forever, but definitely for now. And get a new environment involved because I feel like London is very stagnant for me at the moment. Um, I don't feel motivated to write anything, but I, I have an urge to write. I just don't know what. And I feel like taking myself into another country, a place which is completely foreign for me, is taking myself out of a box. Um, forcing me to kind of adapt to new ways and find inspiration in new ways. And so I chose going to Korea um, and I got a really basic job, which is just teaching kindergarten kids. Um, and, you know, by no means am I putting down teachers in any way, but when you're an English um, foreign language teacher, it is easier. Um, and I'm going to be in a completely homogenous kind of environment. So that's going to be quite interesting to navigate. But I'm also going to have time to write in a new environment and I think that's so exciting and I'm looking forward to it. I already feel very excited about what this year has come, has got to kind of like come. Um, 2020 for me, I want it to be different from my 2019, my 2018, which I feel like I was kind of just going by the motions. And like I said, I'm getting older now and I want to make sure I'm actually putting some roots down in towards what I really want to be doing, which is writing. Um, and I guess I do still have concerns. I've got some worries in terms of, I mean, it's going to sound really silly, but finding love, for instance, you know, the one, I mean, in a country like Asia, in a continent like Asia, we're not a desired species over there, black females, but, you know, finding someone I have common ground with, um, making money is also a factor. I do want to be able to be self-sufficient and that's what, what I'm not in the UK because I still got my family around me and we're very tight and I need to take myself out of that environment. What I am also worried about is leaving my grandma. She's very old and she's got Alzheimer's and I predominantly look after her here in the UK and me not being here means someone else is going to have to help out with that. And for, to be honest, I had a lot of guilt about leaving but if I don't do it now then when? Um, what I am looking forward to is just kind of seeing how I grow um, because I'm going to have to. I'm not going to run away from um, any sticky situations. I'm just going to try and make them work to my advantage and just really making sure I can get the best out of any situation for myself um, that can help me thrive as a writer. Um, so yeah, if anything, I'm, I'm definitely nervous, but I'm looking forward to exploring another venture. It's 2020, a new decade. I want to start off on a new foot um, and I want to move. And this is going to move me forward, I believe, in any shape or form. So Jim O'Care is always great 
to have on the podcast. She's lived both here in the UK and in Nigeria. But this conversation was actually about how we first met. We talk about Nigerian weddings. We explore adult friendship, applying love language to your friendship groups and so much more. I actually did want to talk about um, before we ran out of time is just about friendship and the reason why this came about is I was on YouTube as I do (laughs) and I was watching um, there was an interview that Charlemagne was doing with the former cast of Girlfriends so I never um, watched it you know did you never watch Girlfriends no you never watched Girlfriends should I go back and watch it or something you know what so so it so the reason why I wanted to bring it up is because it kind of had me thinking about friendships and you know my girlfriends and friends and so I was so from watching girlfriends I was thinking there's so much advice about like how to be like a good wife a good husband um to be in relationships like like that but there's not much advice about how to be a good friend and how do you know if you're a good friend? Like, do would you consider yourself a good friend? Yeah. Based upon... <laughs> feedback I get. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, we always think about, like, oh, okay, like, in relationships, like, you know... I think, for me, um, being a good friend and being a good person is very important to me. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like... It's like... It's like... Um, a success score. Yeah. It's really, really important to me. Yeah. It all, and it always has been. I read a really interesting article about this. I think it was in the independent newspaper where this woman for years said she was a, a guy's girl. Yeah. And she used to sit and cuss at her women and yeah. be like... Well, and then she realised like one... one a woman once stopped her and be, said, like, why, or a work colleague, why are you like this? Like, why yeah. don't you like us? Yeah. And she said she had to really, like, question herself and realise she'd been running away from a lot of stuff that she thought was weak. Yeah. Or so forth. And she'd manifested it into thinking she was stronger yeah. or, like, you know that, that saying, like, when somebody says something to you, like, they're aggressive and they're like well that's just who I am I'm just yeah. saying it that's you got to take like no that's not who you are you're, you're being yeah. mean don't hide behind that well I always say like when people say I, I that makes sense <laughs> yeah no I think what you're saying basically is when people say you're um, manifesting yourself I you, you know I, I'm, I just talk I'm a real talker yeah you know and if, if you get but I think there's about being real talking real and being mean and being mean <laughs> and there's a line there and mm. I think a lot of people use the excuse of being real to cross that line exactly and it's all people do it in so many different ways like when people only hang around with a certain group yeah like only hang around if you're if you're like with a certain race group or a certain this group yeah. or so people do might do that in so many yeah. different ways um so even that how we met so when we met we, <laughs> I didn't like you <laughs> and I didn't even notice <laughs> And I did not even know, it didn't even, it didn't even, you explain one, I'll tell you why it didn't bother me, or I didn't notice. A few years ago, this is, this this experience brought us together, and and it's true, it made me really think about how people perceive you and how you perceive people can be really wrong, especially first impressions, so. And I get this all the time, so. Our mutual friend was getting married, and so you was one of the maid of honours. And I wasn't, I was a bridesmaid, 
but I was given responsibility by the bride. <laughs> so yeah. So in we went. I went to Nigeria for the traditional wedding, and also before the traditional wedding, we had an engagement party. And who was organising the? Was engagement? that here? No, that was in Nigeria. No, I did it in Nigeria. Yeah. So yeah. that's where I first met you. Oh gosh, and you were you were, were you upset? Yes. Oh my gosh, I never knew that. So let me tell you why I was. Well, upset. I would have loved your help on that. So no, no, no. I was oh, upset. Wow. I was upset because you was organising yeah, yeah, yeah. that. I I didn't mind that. So oh, wow. so it's all got, coming out now, man. It's all coming out. So we got to the engagement party, and um, so all the bridesmaids were sat on a table. So it was split between two tables, and everyone had their name things um to where they sat. So I only knew two people at that, no, four people at the engagement party. So the bride and groom and two of the bridesmaids who were my friends that mm-hmm. I came with. I didn't know anyone else. So I went to the bridesmaids table one, didn't see my name there. Oh. I went to the bridesmaid table two, didn't see my name there. So my name was on the table at the back with just people. <laughs> No way. So I was like, why am I sat by myself away from everybody and everything? And I'm a very kind of, um, I'm not the most sociable person. Yeah. So I wasn't prepared to be sat by myself. So I hadn't meant to prepare that. Also, rewind, I came up to you to introduce myself. And I, because I didn't know you, I didn't know your personality. So when I introduced myself to you, I was like, oh, hey, like, you know, I'm everything. And you kind of, because you were stressed, I didn't know you were stressed at the time, because you was organising everything. You were just like, mm. And then I was just like, oh, okay. This little B word. So, so <laughs> that happened. And then the, then the situation with the seating arrangement happened. So I was like, oh, she just doesn't like me. Fine, I don't like her. Do you, know, I, do you know I never ever knew any of this? So, <laughs> so I but, have pictures of us <laughs> together smiling, like everything was okay. By the way, yeah, yeah. Go so for the duration of like the trial, you'd already made up your mind. I had made up yeah. my mind that you know, bearing in the mind you actually saved my life. So <laughs> at the end of the holiday. So basically, and then do you remember? Um, so. On the, after the trad, the traditional wedding. So in Nigeria, we went to... So there's Nigerian weddings, two weddings. A long. Very long. Ugh. The traditional wedding, none of the bridesmaids, we got to even eat properly and everything. So, yeah, it, still it was... upsets me to this day. It's a very stressful day. <laughs> so, um... So, yeah, so we... So I had a kind of like a view of you. Anything, and then I kind of also it was I think a little bit awkward because the bride was asking me to do things for the wedding that I was like ask your chief bridesmaids to do, which she never told us she was asking you to do stuff. Exactly. (laughs) So (laughs) fast forward, then uh, what was it like? Oh no 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 no! Like the stuff like the um. Do you know what's so funny? There was an incident where the the where the dresses. Remember the dresses didn't fit. Yeah. And do you know that you were the only person who I thought could help me? Yeah. So fast forward, we had our um, so for the white wedding that was going to happen oh in Dubai, gosh. we had our dresses made in Nigeria, which at the time seemed like a good idea. <laughs> anyway, we're not mentioning any names here. So um, so I so you came to London with um, the dresses. And you came to see me and I tried on my dress. And when I say this picture literally could never see the light of day ever, the dress looked the most awful 
anything I've ever put on in my life. It was, it was terrible, 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 terrible. So we had to, and I think it was literally four weeks to the wedding. We had literally like a day to just find new dresses, Mm. 12 dresses, because there was 12 bridesmaids, wasn't it? There are 12 of us, are there that many? Yeah, I think it was 12. No. Yep, yep, there were 12, about, no, 10, about 10. So we had to find that many bridesmaid dresses in all the right sizes, literally four weeks before the wedding. Mind you, people normally allow, I don't know, like six months to do all the, the dresses and everything. So I, so now I don't, so I've already decided that I don't like this girl. Can I just? She's oblivious. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know any of this. You're oblivious to me. Um, not liking. Which is, you. is probably what gets me through life. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, and and you're it's one of the things what, because I didn't. I literally didn't know. And anything. it's one of the things genuinely that I love about you is like, that off, you off. were so. You're such. You're such pure of heart that you didn't even realize that I was harboring these bad feelings to you. So. We had to, because you was oh in London, God. we had to find these dresses. So I'm thinking, oh, I don't even like this girl. She doesn't even like me. Now we have to go and do this. And that crisis, <laughs> <laughs> together, oh we, I would say we bonded. We had the best friendship because we were like opposites. So we entered to the bridal shop. Jay literally I just ran, wanted to look hot you ran around <laughs> just picking stuff up and then you I were the voice the, of <laughs> I went to sales assistant I said just show me anything that we can have in these sizes within four weeks I don't want to see anything else anyway. <laughs> and literally we literally spent hours until we basically found a dress and everything but during that time I got to know you I realised you know in terms of like your personality like you're so high energy and think you're so like enthusiastic and you was really like okay we can do this positive and then I was the one that was like okay this is what how we're going to execute this plan (laughs) (laughs) and it was tough did we did we like the one we picked in the end we liked it right yeah that was the best one for everybody yeah and everyone looked amazing it wasn't the best dress in the shop yeah but everybody looked everyone looked amazing because that was a dress that we could have within the time frame but I remember you tried, I tried on the strapless dress. In many and I was, different colours. And I leaned forward and I was like, no, this is not going to work for the bigger bosomed ladies. <laughs> and um, we tried on the Holtenek style ones, everything. See, I think through. I've still got it on my phone. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. So that, anyway, that was our experience of becoming friends. So, wow. Yeah. Do you know what? I like honestly didn't know it was that. <laughs> But the thing is, for me, like, interestingly interestingly enough, like, um, I'm just not everybody's cup of tea when they first meet me. But I think I'm the same. Yeah. And probably why I'm so oblivious to it is, um, and there was, a, there was a point when I was just like, oh, like, if so many people were saying that, like, when they meet you, you look like you're just not approachable or yeah. you're just going to... Be you the do B, slightly be a B have word um, the resting B stuck, face. Yeah, resting B face, which is so <laughs> yeah. actually not like not me. Not you at all. But I do have um, a guard. Yeah. And the guard has actually really, really helped me. Because I think in my whole life, probably I've only ever fallen out like with maybe like two or three people in mm. my whole entire life. I've had arguments and stuff. Yeah. But I don't generally fall out and not make up. So I think it's helped me gauge... Um, yeah. 
a lot. But then you do have to take on board other people's feedback. And I think you said this as well. Like, if if people are saying, like, your face looks like you're just unapproachable. So I actively try to make an effort now with people. Like, even if I don't remember somebody's name... um, I'll just be like, oh, hi. Because because what I know is, like, the way you can make someone feel. Yeah. In that first... And I learnt that only through maturity now. Yeah. The way you can make somebody feel through that first encounter. Or if you make... If you're slightly... And I'm, I get very distracted. So yeah. everything you're saying, I can totally see because it. Because I, I, what I realise with you is that you'll be doing 10 things at once. You'll be thinking another 10 yeah. things. And then, you know, the eyes are like... Yeah, all over the place. So sometimes I have to say to you, like, you know, yeah. I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you. Yeah. But I, I, I learned that that wasn't you necessarily being, like, rude to me. That was mm. just you. But then also I learned about myself. I probably judge people too quickly. Because the only mm. thing that saved in that situation because we had another mutual friend. And yeah, I was like, oh, she doesn't like me. I don't like her. And she was like, no, you need to give her a chance. Yeah. Like, you know, relax. It's so, it's so, to me, it's just so interesting. Because I, one, one, um, I think, I think, I think it really depends on the person. Yeah. I think for, for me, like, my, my mum rammed this into my head for so many years. Like, if you die with one good friend, you were lucky. mm and it's just always stuck with me. So I have a very firm best friend. Yeah. Like my friend that did like very, very Yeah, who I've met. Yeah. Everybody if you're anybody yeah. in my life, if you're if you're you would have definitely have come across yeah. Nadia at one point. And we are extremely different. Yeah, yeah. Like we're loud ex- together ex- though. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but we um like and sometimes we, we don't always get on the, the same like we don't always have the same viewpoints or you yeah. know. But She's a safe zone. Yeah. Do you, do you get me? So when, it's like when you have a partner or whether you've had a really good relationship with somebody and then after you have another relationship and you're like, oh, that doesn't necessarily... Come. But, but that's what I'm saying. I feel so because like... I've had such a, uh, a good relationship yeah. with somebody, all of my other relationships, it sounds funny, are like bonuses, yeah. which I nurture. Like Nadia and I talk about this all the time. These friendships, they take nurturing. Yeah. They are full-blown relationships. But that's what I'm saying. Like, we... There's so much advice, like I said at the beginning, about how to be a good wife, how to be a good girlfriend, to how... Even in, like, same-sex relationships, there's information out there. But even for me, I I had to question myself recently. I don't think I've been a really good friend to, to some people. Like, I've How does really, that make you feel? It... I felt, I, I felt, sometimes I feel guilty, but then other times I, the reason being is that I need to take some time out from myself. So I had to take a step back. I think it's such, it's, it's such a personal thing. I've, I've had a, I have an interesting uh, friendship journey because a lot of my friends are the same ones. Yeah. From childhood. But then I have a massive new group. Yes. From when I went to like Nigeria or travel, like yeah. massive new. I have friends. Look, look, how many years are we? Yeah, we're still virgin friends if you consider the evolution <laughs> of friendship. Yeah, definitely. Do you see what I mean? But I'll probably pick up more. Maybe than... not virgin. Maybe. Oh, like, maybe not virgin. Like, like, maybe our friendship is still in the stages of puberty. Puberty. There we are. Like... <laughs> so for for me, I think there's never um, any time that you can stop yeah. having friends. Like, and and. The thing about when with friendships when you're younger is yeah you do change yeah 
you really you really really do change and then there's certain things that you just don't connect with anymore you to be to be really really blunt you just don't care yeah like somebody's talking to you and you're just not like interested or they're not and it's really quite it's quite brutal but it happens in friendships and i think as well that um as you said they they do they do literally take um nurturing like people say this statement all the time they're like those friends that I don't speak to all year, but when we see it's all love. Nah, I don't, I don't, I don't want that. For, I don't want, I want us to, to speak. But whenever, what, what I made the effort with is whenever, um, whenever I, when I was in Nigeria, because I've been in Nigeria for like nine years. Mm. And I don't think there's been more than maybe, with, especially with my best friend, there's probably not been more than like a couple of days we haven't spoken. Yeah. And WhatsApp has been a godsend, you know, yeah, like the course. communication. But, um, you literally have to make that effort, mm. like to talk to people. So it might be one day I'm just like I might just call people or text. People. You you have to put in um, that effort if people mean something to you. I, I I just I don't think it's any simpler than that. Yeah, I just I just don't I just don't think it. And the thing is, I really enjoy. Um, I like people. I like I do enjoy people. So maybe that's what it is as well. But I you know going back to my original question, how do you know if you're a good friend? I think you know if you're a good friend, yeah? It's the same way as, like, if you have a plant that you water. If you don't water that plant, mm-hmm. the plant's going to die. Mm. If you water the plant, you prune it, you nurture it, you talk to it, it lives. It's, it's like, it's just... You can be friends with somebody and not be a good friend. Definitely, and that's my point. I just think sometimes... And it, do you want to be a good friend to everyone? I to anyone that I consider that that person to be my friend yes you know there's a certain friend you could go on there just go to their front door knock on their front door they'll be like oh mm. come in another friend would look at you like you shitting on their front doorstep yeah, like, yeah. why are you here get away yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean it's again that level of yeah of yeah understanding yeah. what, yeah. what each, each person yeah what they need what they need but I think even just even just thinking about it and just maybe having that self-awareness like helps so, so, so for me, I think it's one. I think it's um, being a good friend is, is showing love mm. to that person. And showing love could be in different ways. It could be actually t- like Nadia, every phone call, she, she ends the call with I love you. If anything ever happens to us, we know that, you know. Mm. Another friend, it could be like um, so basically- listening to them talk. Tolu. <laughs> listening. No, but you know, what, you know what it is? Then that, you know what that sounds like? You know, love languages that's what i was trying to say but that's what i keep on saying yeah <laughs> is that yeah. friendships for me are just as um they require just as much effort I time energy resource whatever other words you want to throw in there as say like a relationship with your significant other totally i agree for the for, those meaningful friendships for them to work so but yeah you, you said a really key point meaningful ones but yeah Building your friendship. I feel like they should be like a love language for friendships. Why do you make one? Could, could you not just apply the same rules? I think it's exactly the same rule. Yeah. You know, some people want gifts. Some people want the words time. with affirmation. Some people want time. Some yeah. people want um, action. So like helping them move house yeah. or, or, or so forth. Do you forth. think physical touch? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> is a like yeah my, one of my friends like when she tries to hug me I'm like oh she says I don't like hugs but she's like she'll hug a stranger she's yeah. a very like tactile person yeah so people are, are very, and it can vary as well because it doesn't mean that how you are in friendships is how you are in a relationship with your man that or your woman true. Like, that is very true that is very true or how you are with different people yeah because you is. can have different levels of friendship you know how you know how if I was to describe a house yeah, yeah. if I was to say a house yeah there's this guy once that said to me the way he views friendship is you have to the garden is all full of fawns and trees and forests right. and you fight your way through and then once you get through you get to the front of the house and the door just opens okay. and you're allowed to that's, run through the house that's a nice analogy. so i said my one is oh walk up to the house come in open the door come in but you might just stay on the first floor okay i get what or you, you might go to the second floor yeah. Or you might go to the third floor. Or you might just be access to the penthouse where the penthouse is just yeah. for a few people. It might just be one person what chilling. Floor am I on? And that you're on floor number probably floor number like you're you're walking up to three. Oh. <laughs> you're okay. Walk, you're it's two. Fine. You're walking up to But do you see do you see yeah. me? So for me So yeah. I think I'm gonna sleep with my eyes open today. <laughs> But you were so relentless oh in your... Because <laughs> I thought you guys were wonderful. Yeah, because even after the trad, you were just like, you was leaning on me. Yeah, you you was like, come so on, Mo, let's get out of here. <laughs> I was just like, huh, get off me. <laughs> oh my God, Mo. You had your feelings so bloody well. Yeah, but it's fine. Oh my we, God. We live to tell the tale. There we go. Well, I lived. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so oh, I think, really? why don't we just end it there? Oh. I think on a good note. So, but I think for anyone that's listening, call that friend that you've been thinking about and just, yeah. and not just check in, have a conversation. Or just go on out, go out with them. Yeah. You don't have to party, you just go yeah. out. Spend some time. So, you can find me on um, Instagram, um, and the page is called Dear Niger. Um, and yeah, cool. I would love if you could follow me and just uh, give me any comments about the content yeah. that I'm posting. If you are a regular listener to Colour Out the Box, then you will definitely know who Demi Harper is. Here he talks about selecting a creative career path and the all too common pushback that a lot of us get from African parents. Why are you not an engineer? A doctor? Um, a lawyer? Anyway, listen to what he says. So, um, I'm Demi Harper and I am, I guess I'm here to talk about life as a graphic designer, I guess. Um, it's an interesting one. So a little bit, <laughs> this is going to be so fun. Uh, this is, uh, a little bit about, uh, about me, um, my background. Um, I was born in Lagos, Nigeria. And I came here to the UK in 1997. Um, I was always autistic. Um, like I was very, me and my brothers, we always loved drawing and drawing comics and stuff like that. We're very creative people, my entire family. So my parents brought me, brought us here to have a better opportunity. Basically, um, in Nigeria, you, you, I, back then you were either uh, engineer, doctor, lawyer. You will be a lawyer. <laughs> My parents were just like, no, my, my, my kids are creative. <laughs> so they brought us here and um, joining, um, coming here gave us um, more opportunity. Um, so I always, art was my favorite subject. 
I was the guy that in his spare time I was drawing and I was known to be the guy the guy that just draws um, in primary school I was drawing all the time I was like commended on my drawing and um, I guess that's where it started um, I never I didn't even know what the term of designer was so one funny thing yeah looking back when they said oh okay um, what do you want to be when you grow up I said I wanted to be a carpenter yeah and obviously when you have a Nigerian accent you say car painter so I literally thought it's someone that paints cars and someone said no you idiot it's someone that builds houses I'm like I don't want to do that I, <laughs> I can't build anything <laughs> so I was like that, that that dream was out the window um, but I always knew I wanted to do something that's quite visual and creative and um, so in school um, I took up one of my choices was graphic was graphics not graphic design but graphics um and they taught us things like computer aided design and but i was already using they didn't teach us graphic design they taught us more like 3d stuff which is very weird um but like in all, all my subjects i actually got a c in that one i was really crappy um not crappy but i was lazy i just I wasn't that much interested but in a in an art i got an a because i was it allowed me to like paint and all that kind of stuff um but I started using Photoshop Photoshop at a young age. I started using it since I was maybe 13 or 14. So at my church, I was the one that was doing all the flyers, all the promo work since I was like 13. I was the guy that was doing it. Now, um, when it came to the end of school, I didn't, I wasn't really, I wasn't really sure what to do. And I read the flyer that said, um, cool. Um, read the flyer that said, Oh, do you draw pictures of other people? Um, you might want to be a graphic designer. I'm like, Oh, okay, that sounds cool. So I did it in college. It was nothing like I thought it would be. Graphic design was about solving problems, and that's where I learned what graphic design actually was. Um, okay, so let's fast forward. Um, finished college, got good grades, went to uni, studied graphic design, right? Um, and during all this time, I was always freelancing and doing flyers for people and doing logos for people. Um, then I didn't actually do that well in uni because I don't know, I just lost interest. Um, <laughs> but when I left uni, I decided, okay, let me become a graphic designer officially. But I couldn't get a job because I didn't have any experience and I couldn't get experience because I couldn't get a job. So I volunteered at my church for a few months in order to be a graphic designer at church. So I was getting involved in a lot of projects, um, um, community projects, doing brands and helping with the website and everything. Now, from then on, I went to join a web agency, became a web kind of a web designer, um, got involved in social media, and my expertise has actually kind of refined over time. Now. It's going to this point where I no longer actually see myself as a graphic designer. Now, this is why it makes us that makes the life as a designer very interesting because I'm I realized throughout all of my job roles, I am here to solve problems, and designing is solving about solving problems. So, life as a designer for me, design only helped me solve problems. So that's why I become a brand strategist because it allows me to solve problems for other people and that's where my passion lies. Um, there was something that was quite pivotal in me deciding not to call myself a designer. At my day job, I do design, but like 
my real passion is to solve problems and i realized that when i was doing websites for people and logos for people and all that kind of stuff the, it's just so long and and like i wasn't really enjoying the process i like i enjoyed designing but like when it becomes a thing of oh i realized that because there was no strategy behind it it, it always almost became pointless for the clients and for me i wasn't enjoying the process so i started looking into strategy and there was a video called start with why by simon sinek he talks about why people will buy a product by apple and they will buy android um i watched it and it blew my mind and that's when i decided to start looking more into branding and then i became very obsessed with it and um it's actually helped me get to where i am now because when people come and say would you like a website i'm like why do you want a website like they, oh design a website for me i'm like why what's the website gonna do for you so i'm able to kind of be like okay how can i help you solve your problem and that's where that's who i am i am a problem solver so me as a graphic designer i've come from someone that loves to draw draw comics characters loves to do art to someone that actually doesn't that hardly touches a pencil and i have conversations with people to help them solve their problems and for me that's what my life is about um and i've learned that everybody can every, being creative is not about being having pretty doing pretty pictures being creative is about solving problems even if some people are like oh i'm an accountant um i'm a, i'm an accountant i'm a doctor i'm a lawyer i'm not creative but that's that's why can't you be creative in that area if you're you solve problems you're very creative because you have to think of a way to either get someone out of prison <laughs> or avoid prison or sue someone or you have to think of creative ways to build to to calculate an equation or whatever it is you are solving a problem therefore you are creative you know and that's what i've learned um and that's what life is about that's how we move up that's how we progress in society we progress by solving problems and coming up with better solutions for everything and that's why i enjoy what i do um and that's me in a nutshell um so yeah that's me i am demi harper you can find me on twitter and instagram underscore demi harper and you can also find me on my website demiharper.com or subscribe to my podcast the demi harper podcast and you can hear me rant about more stuff like this <laughs> okay so don't worry i was definitely always going to do highlight of the week so something that i want to bring a spotlight to a shine to as always so this week it's i said what i said podcast the unsolicited opinions podcast which is hosted by jolla and fk which is um i would say nigerian gist unfiltered chats loads of laughter and actually quite a lot of fun they had a great episode about growing up in a polygamous home um which was super interesting so do go have a listen um i i would say actually follow color out the box on twitter i've actually started a thread of all of my favorite podcast recommendations because obviously recommending podcasts is my love language okay so we've come to the end of the episode thank you for listening i'd be so interested to 
um, know more about what you think about this um, format as I said it was something I wanted to try I've just got so much content that you know people just haven't heard so as always join the conversation hashtag color out the box on all socials and at color out the box on twitter instagram and facebook um this week's homework yes always there is homework check out color out the box playlist on spotify we've got a collection of music and podcast playlists i will of course put the link in the episode description but until next time bye